is, you know, just because you have built this beautiful site and you're ready to go, you're sitting there, you're staring at your screen and you're waiting for that sale. It doesn't mean that people are just going to magically find you on the internet. There is so much competition uh, that, you know, just because you've built it doesn't mean people are right away going to come flocking to your website if nobody knows you exist. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. I am your host, Richard, and I will be with you throughout this journey. This show is here to empower individuals to do more in life professionally. You will find a variety of topics that will help you to be more productive and more successful. So join me and the professionals from different industries as we bring education and knowledge for more success. Hey, I just want to apologize in advance for the audio recording. There were some minor issues during the recording. So uh, I hope you still enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Richard. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. Today, our topic is e-commerce. And I have the pleasure to have Ivana Rajovic. So I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. It's close, Radojevic, but... <laughs> how, how do you say it? Radojevic. 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 Yeah. Okay, sorry. Ivana, Ivana Radojevic, right? That's right, yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, because I was listening to another video, but they, they had pronounced it like that. So that's why like, uh, I pronounced it like that. I'm sorry for that. And thank no, you. No, that... That's okay. They pronounce it every which way. So you're not, you're not alone in that. I, I, it's been pronounced a number of different ways. Okay. All right. And uh, just before we start, uh, I came across uh, a profile. I just wanted to say that before we start. I came across a profile because I was looking uh, through uh, uh, for people in the e-commerce industry to be a guest on the podcast. And as soon as I came across her profile i listened to one audio podcast and i listened to maybe two videos and uh, as soon as i heard the energy i said i have to have her on the podcast and uh, here she is now today with me and uh, i'm very happy that she's here and uh, her name is uh, ivana so she's been in the e-commerce business industry for quite some time now so she's going to give us some uh, light and uh, education concerning this industry. So Ivana, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, like uh, your professional background. How did you get started in the e-commerce and how long you've been in the industry? Thank you, Richard. Yeah, thank you for that intro. That was very, very kind of you. So e-commerce, I do like to consider myself a little bit of an e-commerce nerd, if you will. I really enjoy working in this space. Um, And, you know, of course, it's got its challenges as well, but it's a very dynamic space. It's really like always changing. So you always kind of have to be on top of what's going on in the industry and, you know, kind of in the news more broadly to know how it might impact e-commerce. So I find that very exciting. Uh, But in terms of how I started in e-commerce, so 
I've been in this space for seven years now, but I, I mean, the truth is I kind of fell into it for lack of a better word, because the agency that I kind of started my marketing career with seven years ago, we just started getting more and more Shopify clients. It just, those were the clients that we were, we were getting. And we realized that we were really good at e-commerce marketing. It was sort of like our niche, our uh, niche. And we, uh, we expanded on that and just started getting more and more Shopify merchants as clients until we got to the point where that was all we were doing was Shopify merchants. So now uh, my like the the clients that I work with has shifted whereas before I worked primarily with sort of some of like you know the, the smaller like mom and pop shops or up and coming merchants people that were maybe just getting started or people that were trying to get to their first hundred thousand in sales and then of course there was merchants that were making beyond that as well that we were working with whereas right now my focus is exclusively on shopify plus merchants so those are those mid to enterprise level merchants that have uh, a lot more complexities to them they're usually a lot bigger uh, and they're usually making quite a bit more revenue so the challenges are a little bit different between those two types Types of merchants. But uh, yeah, I mean, before sort of my, the, I entered the agency world, I was actually in an entirely different industry. I, uh, my, my background, my schooling is in political science, actually. So I worked for the government, uh, both kind of locally, uh, provincially, as well as internationally for an international organization. I spent uh, a few months in Germany working there as well. And, uh, and did that for about four years, working within different government sectors, and then sort of realized that long-term, that just wasn't where I saw myself working and made the switch to more of a marketing focus and then went into e-commerce from there. So that's, uh, I guess, a, a, a very roundabout way of explaining how I ended up in e-commerce. Uh, I'm not, uh, I like the world of business. Uh, I've kind of heard like uh, the e-commerce before back, uh, still nowadays, but I never got into it like, uh, directly um what are because i was doing just some uh quick a search before like two days ago just today too i was uh, looking in uh, into google uh i see that there's different types of uh e-commerce that uh, i think you could set up this correct me if i'm wrong and uh, I think you have business to business. And can you break it down a little bit, like for the people, uh, the types of e-commerce? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is uh, the nice thing with e-commerce is it's very flexible. So you can get into it in different ways. A lot of people, uh, when they think e-commerce, oftentimes they think drop shipping. Uh, that's a really, I mean, for lack of a better word, like quick way, if you will, to get into e-commerce. But uh, essentially what dropshipping is, is you, you're not storing any of the inventory. So you don't have like an apartment full of boxes. You basically just facilitate the transaction, facilitate the sale. And then somebody else, like a third party is actually shipping the products for you. So there's not a big uh, sort of startup cost with that. You can get it up and running fairly, fairly quickly. Um, and so a lot of people, they do to go the dropshipping route, especially when like their first kind of wedding, their in, in the e-commerce space. Um, there's good and bad with that, like there is with anything. It's just about kind of doing your research and seeing what's right for you. There is, of course, like more business to business. There's like wholesalers, for example, that have like use something like Shopify to sell wholesale to other businesses. And then there is actually being um, 
like if you're a merchant on something like Shopify, where you're selling the product yourself, you're manufacturing it, or, you know, working with the manufacturer to manufacture whatever you're selling, you are storing the inventory yourself, Um, you're basically managing every aspect of the process from manufacturing to packaging and sending it out and customer service and everything. So I would say like, those are sort of I guess we could say like the three broad, broad categories. And like I said, everything has sort of like pros and, and cons to it in terms of startup cost, in terms of where you're storing inventory, who you have to work with, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So the last part, I think the last part you said is uh, the one that uh, the person has to do the whole thing, like the manufacturing and everything that's for Shopify. That can be with really any uh, Shopify is just one uh, one service uh, platform that lets you set up your website, set up your um, entire sales process, track your inventory, all of that sort of thing. There is other ones. Shopify is just the one that I'm most familiar with, but there is like big commerce. There's Magento, like there is there is uh, Squarespace. I think they also have like an e-commerce plugin now. So there, there's different uh platforms you can use to run an e-commerce store shopify is just one of those and uh how do you how do you build a successful uh e-commerce business nowadays yeah i mean that that's a loaded question you could probably talk about that for like seven days straight uh i think you know the, the big thing is especially when you're first getting started is really validating that you have that product market fit so you know when you when you sell something whatever it might be you have to validate that people actually want it and that means that there is people that are buying this from you that aren't you know just like your mom and and your dad and your aunts and uncles and like basically like your immediate family although of course that's good that they support but you know is are other people buying are other people do other people want what you're selling you know have you sold something to a complete stranger that you, you've never met before and they actually purchased what what it, what it is that you're selling. So um, I think that the product market fit part of it is, is really, really important. And the second piece to that is, you know, just because you have built this beautiful site and you're ready to go, you're sitting there, you're staring at your screen and you're waiting for that sale. It doesn't mean that people are just going to magically find you on the internet. There is so much competition uh, that, you know, just because you've built it doesn't mean people are right away going to come flocking to your website if nobody knows you exist. So you have to have a plan in place to actually get people to your site, to have people to make people aware that you even exist. And there's a number of different ways to do that. And all of it kind of depends on like what your, what your budget is and how much time you have. And, you know, if you have a team or if you're doing it by yourself, that's all going to impact how much you can put into it. Okay. So that brings me to the other question. So uh, you're, you're saying like uh, people are not going to notice you like just like that. So how does someone go about uh, the marketing uh, aspect of it? Yeah. So um I mean, your budget, your marketing budget plays into this, of course. Um, you ads is a big thing. A, a lot of brands will put money into ads. Bigger brands tend to put more money because they have more money. And competition is quite fierce on that. So especially something like Facebook and Instagram, um, Google can be very competitive. And there's brands that are spending like millions of dollars just on those platforms alone. So if you, you know, if, if that's your competition and you don't have a budget that to run ads, you might have a hard time getting kind of your foot in the door in that space. But there is other platforms where it is 
a little bit cheaper to advertise where you can still get relatively good organic reach, like something like TikTok, for example, um, Snapchat, Pinterest, you can run ads on all of those platforms as well. And I, I'm not an ad expert by any means, but last I saw that it was still cheaper than like a Facebook or Instagram or, or Google where competition is a bit bigger. Um, and then, and that's the ad side of it. Now, if you don't have say any budget to run ads, you can try going the organic route. So at that point, you know, maybe you're making content, maybe you're making TikTok videos and you're making reels and things like that, that are still getting a good organic reach, especially on something like TikTok. I've seen a lot of brands have success organically, but in that case, you're investing a lot of your time because you have to create this content. It's not just, again, it's not just going to magically appear for you. You have to be comfortable getting in front of the camera or, you know, at least be have some kind of content savviness, if you want to call it that, to create this type of content and stuff that people want to engage with and save and share and comment and those sorts of things to learn about your brand and visit your website. Uh, and then there's things like influencer marketing as well that a lot of, especially like smaller brands when they're just starting out, they like to build a network of like nano or micro influencers. Uh, but you do have to pay your influencers. And of course, you should pay your influencers, especially if they're creating content for you, because it takes time to create good content and people should be compensated for that. So a lot of influencers, you know, they're not just going to work with you for like a $20 t-shirt. You, you're probably going to have to pay more than that and, and you should compensate them fairly. I'm a big advocate of compensating content creators fairly. So, um, but if you have a budget that maybe you don't have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to spend on ads, but you have a budget that you can work with and maybe you choose like few influencers that you can reach out to and see if you can build those relationships and tap into their audience. So what about uh, email marketing and all these things? Are these still, still good? I love that you ask about email marketing. That's actually like one of my favorite things. And email and SMS right now actually is, is kind of my area of expertise. But uh, with email, the big thing is with your website, I think from day one, you should be collecting emails uh, and building that email list because this that's first party data. That's your list. You have access to that list. It's in, you know, if you use something like Klaviyo or, or MailChimp or whatever it is that you use for as your email service provider, that information is in there. So then you can market to them through like by welcoming them to your, your community or like abandoned checkout, uh, browse abandonment. There's all kinds of different emails that you can send them. But again, in order to collect those emails, people actually have to like land on your site first and then sign up. Or maybe you have like, maybe you're running a pop-up shop or something like that. And you're signing people up at that pop-up shop. You could do sort of different things and get people to join like your text club. Like, you know, it's your pop-up shop. Maybe you have a sign that says text join to whatever number. And then that's how people join your, your text club and your SMS list. So there's a lot of value in that, but absolutely from day one, collect emails, collect phone numbers and build that list because that's going to be a really, really valuable list for you to have. Uh, I, uh, what's the ratio? Cause you know, when you start a business, anything, they always say, uh, I forgot the ratio. Like they say most business fail in the first five years and so on. Mm -hmm. What's the ratio of, uh, success, uh, of the people who build an e-commerce, uh, business? You know, that is a great question. I, I don't know that number off the top of my head, but I can, tell you just kind of from experience and like merchants that I have worked with over the last seven years, it 
the big thing that I have seen is like how much time they have to put into the business. Sometimes like I've worked with merchants where they have a full-time job and then they sort of have this shop on the side and they just don't have the time to, to devote to constantly like updating it, to sending emails, to running ads, experimenting with influencer marketing. All of this stuff takes time and they just don't have that time. Doesn't mean that they don't have a good product or that they don't have a good concept, but they lack time. On the flip side of that, of course, there's people that lack the budget and they kind of have to do it in like small baby steps and it takes them longer to get there. Um, and then in some cases, there is situations where the product just isn't, the product market fit isn't there. They've created something that people don't want and they've basically put money into um you know, in, in some cases, manufacturing and having a house full of inventory of something they can't move because they didn't actually validate that people want that product before they went and ordered 10,000 units of that product. That That's a lesson that you obviously don't want to learn the hard way, but it happens. It, it, it happens all the time. So um, I think like, yeah, like time, budget, and that making sure that you have validated that product market fit are very important factors in terms of like, not, not just like whether you're going to be successful, but just like how long it might take you to get there. Um, but, you know, that's to say there's lots of, uh, lots of other external factors that can always come in, things that you just can't, can't foresee, right, that would implement or that would impact your business. Okay. So maybe it's probably the similar question, but I'm still going to ask it. Uh, what are the do's and don'ts like people would have to... Uh, What's the do's that people would have to do to make sure that uh, the business, the e-commerce succeeds and with the other things that uh, they shouldn't do? Yeah, I mean, I would say with like within the e-commerce space, there is things are very dynamic. Things are always changing. Like Apple pushes an update and all of a sudden our ads are kind of out of whack. Like we can't really track things properly anymore. We can't target Apple users properly. Uh, but those are things that are out of our control. But that stuff happens all the time. And that's just one example. So I think you really have to be able to adapt and pivot quickly as these changes happen, because businesses that either refuse to pivot or they take a really long time to do so, like they're just like this slow moving machine um they they sometimes what happens is they fall behind just because the space can move so quickly i think like especially with smaller um e-commerce businesses that maybe are run by like a you know small team or in some cases one or two people they have that agility like to pivot quickly to make you know changes sort of on the fly but uh but that's not to say that like big big businesses can't do that as well. I just, I think in those cases, sometimes there's a little bit more like checks and balances and things and approvals and whatnot that you need. Um, but yeah, I think really being agile, being on top of what's going on, understanding like what news might impact e-commerce. I think I saw a stat actually recently that um, like a, a company like Klarna, for example, that are a buy now pay later app they had really big success over the last couple of years especially during the pandemic they were really blowing up um and then now that e-commerce has slowed a little bit because we thought people would just you know the pandemic would end and and everything would open back up but people would still continue shopping online at the rate that they're shopping at and in some cases we've seen a little bit of a pullback and so some of these businesses that were really blowing up over the last two years are now all of a sudden having to like lay off staff um so again that's one of those things where could you foresee it 
not really. Like we thought it was just going to keep going up, 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 but those things happen. It's, it's sort of the nature of the market and you have to be able to pivot and adapt and, um, and persevere. Okay. And um, speaking of uh, uh, pivoting, uh, now the, with everything like uh, web, web three, like, you know, web one, web, web two, web three, uh where do you see like uh like the metaverse and uh, all that do you see a connection with uh e-commerce and web3 in the future you know i'm still trying to wrap my mind around that like i think uh and, and this is just my opinion there probably is a way that it, it will get interconnected. Uh, I don't know how quickly that will happen. And I'm still trying to understand all of like the different pieces of Web3. And you know, like, are we going to be shopping in the metaverse for NFTs and things like that, like non tangible items? And, and how's that going to work? And then I know, like some brands are already experimenting with things like NFTs, where you have to buy an NFT to get exclusive access to like spe special product drops, or to be the first to get access to new product drops and things like that. So there's brands experimenting with that. Of course, on like the, the sort of blockchain and cryptocurrency front, there's brands that offer um, at, at checkout that you can buy with Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever cryptocurrency of your choice. Um, so there is brands that are already kind of exploring that side of it. And I think, you know, with especially with like payment methods and stuff like that, like my opinion on that is like people should be able to check out and pay with with how they're most comfortable, whether that is, uh, you know, their visa or their MasterCard, or maybe that is like their crypto wallet, or maybe that's like some sort of an NFT or something like that in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, the world is our oyster when it comes to that. So I think it's actually an exciting space to watch. And uh, what are the new trends right now in the e-commerce uh, business industry? I mean, I think in terms of trends, I, I don't even want to necessarily call this a trend because I think it's 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 just like good business practice at this point. But sustainability and having sustainable business practices, having a sustainable supply chain that your customers can track in all the way back to step one in your supply chain. Um, I, I have noticed that more and more customers have expressed that they do care about that and having it be a transparent process. So I think this is for like businesses in general and not just e-commerce. They are trying to be more transparent with their manufacturing process, with their supply chains um, and trying to be more sustainable. I think sort of like more of like the virtual fitting rooms. Uh, so more of that like 3D aspect of it as well, especially like if say you're shopping for furniture and you're trying to visualize, okay, what is this couch going to look like in my home? Especially if you're going to buy like, I don't know, let's say a $10,000 couch online. I mean, like you want, you want to be pretty confident that it's going to look good in your home, right? Because even if it doesn't fit, it's such a pain to like have to return that and pack it back up and all of that stuff. So I think um, more of those sort of virtual fitting rooms, 3D renderings of products, you can really envision it in your home or on you. Um, they're already doing that with like glasses, with makeup and stuff like that. So I think uh, I think we're going to see more and more, more and more of that. And then some of the stuff we touched on in kind of the, Web3, the NFT, the crypto space, all of that, I think is going to play into um, some of the, into the e-commerce space as well. Uh, does it take a lot of capital to build the e-commerce business? You know, it, uh, 
to get it up and running in terms of like getting the website set up, um, it's actually what has been really cool to see is that platforms like Shopify, they have now given the tools that used to be reserved just for like the big the big companies that could afford it, you know, the big enterprises. Now those same tools are available for like the mom and mom, mom and pop shop down the road or the, you know, kind of person that has their nine to five and they kind of want to start a side hustle. And now they have this great tool set that'll help them get up and running online. And it's actually look reasonable. The cost isn't extravagant, but where the cost does come in is in other things like, you know, uh, again, like there's, there's all sorts of different things that go into like establishing a business, but um, even in terms of like your inventory. So where are you getting your product from? Uh, a lot of manufacturers, for example, if you're um, having your product like manufactured in somewhere like China, for example, they have minimum order quantities that you have to hit before they like accept your order and, and ship it to you. So you have to pay for that, of course, upfront, and then it gets shipped to you. And then where are you going to store it? Do you have room in your house to store it? Do you have to rent a warehouse to store it? Uh, are you going to maybe work with a third-party logistics provider to do the warehousing and shipping for you? There's another cost there. So there's a lot of things to factor in. But if you're selling something like, say, a strictly digital product, like I've seen a lot of, especially uh, content creators and, um, and people that have monetized their expertise through online courses and digital courses. So with something like that, you're not storing you know, piles of books in your house, it's all online. So that opens up a whole, whole other area of opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it depends at the end of the day, like I, I hate to go to like the, it depends answer, but it, it does depend on what it is, what it is that you're selling, where you're getting it from, where you're sending it, all sorts of different things that are going to impact your cost. So if someone wants to start tomorrow, how do they get started? I think, I, does the person ha already know what they want to sell? No, I'm just saying like in general, like for someone who has the yeah. idea, like, you know, they want to start a business or they want to think of doing e-commerce. Like uh, what are the, uh, what should they think about? Yeah, that? I think um, I would think about like how much time you have to devote to it because there will be a lot of time involved, especially when you first get up and running. And, you know, are you going to be doing a lot of it yourself? Do you need a business partner? Do you need maybe somebody else to help you get this up and running? Um, because the hardest part is getting started. And then once the ball's rolling, you just kind of keep, keep going with it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But, um, I, I, what I find really helpful too is like talking to people in my network that have been there, that have started multiple businesses. Uh, I think, with, I mean, really with like any business, whether it's e-commerce or anything, even if it doesn't work out the first time, if you fail the first time, I don't think there's embarrassment with that. Like uh, to me, that's not embarrassing. I think you tried something and, and you failed, but there's lessons that can, you can take out of that into your next, whether it's your next business venture, your next job, kind of life in general, whatever it might be. If I see that somebody has, you know, tried to start a business and, and failed on their resume, I don't consider that like a bad thing to me that shows that they tried something they're, 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 you know, okay with risk and they've taken some risk and I'm sure they've learned some lessons from it. So I think definitely like tap into your, your network, talk to people who've been there. And there is also a lot of courses and a lot of free training out there on starting your e-commerce business, what you need to think about. So I would do some homework into 
with e-commerce specifically, what sort of store is it that you're looking to start? You know, are you looking to drop ship? Are you looking to manufacture your own products? So that, that's probably a good place to start to just understand like which route you want to go. Uh, what are the final words would you have to say uh, advice for someone who wants to get in the space? Just final words. Yeah, I mean, I think be prepared for uh, it can be a little bit of a roller coaster, but I think that's just what entrepreneurship and business ownership is in general. Uh, I think you will probably learn a lot from the experience. Like I said, even if it doesn't work out, I think people would learn a lot from from trying. And I think now's uh, now's as good a time as any because we have all these tools digitally available at our disposal to learn about e-commerce, to get started with e-commerce. Everybody's, or a lot of people, I should say, are are remote or available remotely. So you can tap into, you know, resources across the world. And, um, And I think just making sure that, like I said, you have the time to devote to it because you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So I think that would be my, uh, my biggest piece of advice. And at this moment right now, what are you working on now exactly? Yeah, so right now I work with um, a a Shopify Plus agency here in Canada. So we work uh, with Shopify Plus merchants, which are those mid to enterprise level merchants. And we do uh, website builds, Shopify Plus website builds. So we uh, specialize in that and custom solutions for Shopify Plus merchants, as well as marketing strategy for Shopify Plus merchants. So that includes anything from like ad strategy um, to email, website optimization, et cetera. And uh, where can people find more about uh, about you and uh, the, mm-hmm. the company and everything that you do? Yeah, I think the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So there's not too many people with uh, my first and last name on there. So I think it should be pretty easy to find, but I am pretty active on there. So if anybody is interested in connecting with me, LinkedIn would be a really great spot. And then I do also have a Patreon channel, which is uh, Ecom Ivana, uh, where I post sort of primarily about email and SMS marketing. Okay. Uh, anyways, I'll just make sure to have uh, the information on the show notes uh, okay. for uh, for the podcast. So uh, thanks a lot, Ivana, for being a guest on uh, on my podcast. Welcome to a better lifestyle. It was very uh, uh, it was very pleasant. And like I said, I uh, from the first time I I, I heard you, I like uh, the energy, and even now you're just showing like the same energy and uh it's very good so uh thanks a lot for being here and uh thank you everybody for watching and uh, listening to this podcast welcome to a better lifestyle my guest was ivana how do you say the last name again <laughs> rada yevik rada yevik so i didn't want to mess it up so <laughs> so thank you for being here And uh, everybody, uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.